Hi, everyone. Welcome to the July 9th, 2021 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. We were gone last week on holiday. We hope you enjoyed the quick trip back to 1959 with our past host, Raj Chohan. It was one of our Emmy Award-winning trips, so we hope you enjoyed it. If you missed it, feel free to go to pbs12.org and check it out. It's a lot of fun. And hope you had a great July 4th holiday. Let's get to this week's news. Colorado's Republican representatives are making national news in unique ways this week. Representative Lowen Boebert recently tweeted that President Biden's, quote, needle Nazis, unquote, were headed to Mesa County. Meanwhile, Representative Ken Buck made public claims that Google had transferred thousands of votes from Trump, from Trump to Biden. And Representative Doug Lamborn, not to miss this uh, fun event, critiqued an Air Force Academy professor for teaching critical race theory. Patty Calhoun from Westward, uh, quite the trifecta. You don't usually see all three making uh, press like this. I know what each of them said will speak to their base. I can't imagine the other, uh, I guess by doing my math, 68% of uh, Colorado would really uh, speak to those issues. But what did you think of the various things we heard from our Republican congressional representatives this week? Well, Lauren Boebert is the gift that keeps on giving. You know, we, Tom Tancredo, an alumni of this table, Mm -hmm. was always a joy to have in Congress because of the things he said. But she has done moonshots around Tom Tancredo. It wasn't just that she, you know, when she was talking about Biden's uh, Biden's attack team, she also said that the way to solve the Delta variant was to get rid of CNN because only CNN's reporting on it. If you look at the statistics for Mesa County, they are not good. I mean, the Delta variant is taking off there. It is 70, over 70 percent of the new cases in Colorado, too. So if people who are not vaccinated should be concerned about it. Ken Buck, I think I actually said something nice about him once, right after the election in November, when he said, no, you know, the election was not a fraud. It was not Dominion Services problem, Dominion Systems. Now we find out that it was Google and Google's damned algorithms that somehow gave the election to Biden. So I take away the nice thing I said about Buck. He was just obviously waiting to tell us that it was really Google's fault. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. A uh, lot to choose from here, but again, um, you know, I, I think about other uh, conservatives or Republicans in Colorado like Michael Fields. He's on Twitter. He's talking about taxes. He's talking about fees. He's talking about things I think a lot of Colorados are talking about. It's not what congressional Republican representatives are talking about. Is there too much a divide of what Colorado Republicans are really going to be interested in if they want to see progress, which is quite possible in 2022? I think you have to separate what different people said. I, I, the Buck statement I haven't really looked into, but I don't think he was claiming that Google transferred votes. I think what he was saying, which is true, that Google biases its algorithms on search results. So if you put in Barack Obama, it's you get the top five of like why I love Obama, why Obama is better than anybody, including Jesus Christ. And if you put in Donald Trump, you get uh, Trump sex tape uh, not found but may still exist. Here's what we speculate could be in it, that kind of thing. So Google is very biased. And people, unfortunately, naively, think that it provides results when it really is shoving people in one direction. So, of course, that that moved votes. I don't know if it was enough to change the election. Um, and, and Facebook and the other, all the other companies do that, too. Boebert is, is wrong on vaccines. I understand why there is vaccine hesitancy, because the Centers for Disease Control and the World Health Organization have lied to us about this whole thing since day one. But you will 
if, particularly if you're at risk, you know, over 60, obese, diabetes, immunocompromised, you absolutely should get the vaccine, in my view. It's a risk and it's a trade-off, but the people who are still dying of this are overwhelmingly the unvaccinated. Uh, Lamborn is in the mainstream for criticizing the professor for teaching critical race theory, which she did it right in the face of the uh, secretary of the Air Force who testified in Congress days before saying that's not taught at the Air Force Academy. Of course, any realist, anybody who teaches American history like me or Danny Newsom or others is going to talk about the history of race in America because that's a very important part. Critical race theory is more a process of indoctrination and the promotion of racism and racial essentialism and all kinds of terrible ideas that should absolutely not be part of our service academies. Eric Sonneman, political analyst and columnist for both the Denver Gazette and Colorado Politics. Um, this seemed like quite the trifecta. There's a lot to choose from here. What did you take away from it? The main thing I took away from it is <clears throat> lacking a U.S. senator who's a Republican, lacking any statewide elected official at the Capitol who's a Republican. This is what constitutes the Colorado Republican Party. This is the brand. And those are the highest profile people the Republicans mm-hmm. have in the state now, Boebert and Lamborn uh, and Buck. And it's just a brand that, you know, uh, particularly uh, on on several of these particulars, they're wrong on history. But more importantly, from a partisan point of view, they're wrong on politics. What they're selling isn't selling. Uh, The product isn't moving. And they keep digging in a a state that is, you know, used to be a purple state. No one calls Colorado very purple anymore. This has become a blue state and it's getting bluer all the time. And every time Lauren Boebert and the others open their mouths, I think it shifts, you know, one iota uh, more to the blue side. Lauren Boebert in many ways reminds me of Donald Trump, who obviously... uh, got her into politics, inspired her, if that's the word, uh, into politics. Trump lost his Twitter account, which you can argue whether that was proper or not, but he lost his Twitter account at the very end of his presidency. You wonder if that had happened in the middle of the presidency, how that presidency would have changed, because Twitter was the core of his presidency. For Lauren Boebert, Twitter is what being a congressperson is about. She tweets far more than any other Colorado member of Congress. That was in the news this week. Uh, Twitter is her raison d'etre. It's her reason for being. Uh, I'd like to see her go to Mesa County amidst this Delta variant outbreak, amidst the number of hospitalizations over there and the very limited hospital capacity they have left. Maybe go through a COVID of a few of those COVID wards and um, talk about needle Nazis there. As to lastly, real quick, I'll leave Lamborn alone. It's ridiculous. It speaks for itself. Um, as to Ken Buck, Ken Buck has become my Rorschach test of the Republican Party. I have him on a little. I, he has an intellect that is higher than, let's say, Boebert and and Lamborn's. He is not a stupid guy, but as he's moved somewhat toward crazy land, not as far as the other two, to his credit, he did vote to certify the election results. Um, But as he's moved, it just tells you sort of how crazy that party is, or at least the activists in that party, and he's trying to keep them appeased. John Frank, joining us from Axios Denver. John, it's great to have you here. Uh, John, a lot to choose from here. When I look at those initial maps from the redistricting just a couple of weeks ago, it looks like Lamborn and Boebert are, probably have a clear path to re-election if they want it. Buck at least has a little bit more interesting path with likely Pueblo in his district. Certainly not maybe, uh, you know, a huge hurdle, but it'll make it more interesting. When you see comments like this, what stands out to you? 
what stands out to me is just what you mentioned, redistricting. These districts are safe. They may move a, the needle here or there, but mm -hmm. even under the initial maps that just came out, they all favor Republicans. Lauren Boebert's district may get, again, these are initial maps, may get some of the Mount communities, the liberal enclaves up in Summit County and Picking County. But even that doesn't move the needle very much on those districts. So what you see here are three Republicans who are speaking to their base because their base is who elects them. And they're speaking to modern politics today. Um, Tom Tancredo was one of the early ones. Donald Trump came after him. And Lauren Boebert's following in those footsteps. It, and this is true of both parties. You know, if you excite the rage machine, you can raise money. You raise money on what you say, and then you raise money on people attacking you for what you said. And what you have is a nice nest egg to run for re-election. It's how politics works, particularly in these safe districts where you need to rev up your base, keep them donating, keep them interested when you don't have power in Congress and you don't have power here in Colorado either. It's not rage against the machine, it's rage feeds the machine. That's a good point. <laughs> the Colorado Supreme Court is facing changes and controversy. Chief Justice Brian D. Boatwright recently updated language in the court's policy stating that not only are harassment and discrimination banned in the workplace, but also in formats that impact the workplace, such as social media. Meanwhile, former Chief Justice Nathan Ben Coates is being investigated for being, taking part in a multi-million dollar contract that was allegedly used to cover up a sexual discrimination lawsuit. Uh, David, you're one of our legal experts here. There's a lot to do with the judicial branch. What do we need to know? Well, I'd say on the, on the Coates investigation, we'll, we'll wait to see what it does. The, the same thing as with the, the Tay Anderson investigation or, or any other. Um, the new uh, policy that's announced, it, it basically restates the existing anti-discrimination policy. It applies not just to the judges, but to the many, many employees of the judicial department in Colorado, and also to any any contractors who do business with the judicial department. And so the, the new language says uh, you can't do stuff that's harassing or discriminatory, uh, or communication impacts the workplace in any way, including through social media. So who knows what, what that could mean or, or how that could be interpreted. Um, it actually came as, as part of a package of, of reissuing some other things. It, it's, it's kind of rough to work for the uh, judicial department, I've learned. They prohibit you from showing up, even though marijuana is constitutionally legal in the state of Colorado and the state government has to obey that, they say if you show up to work with marijuana in your system, that's illegal and you could be fired, which means, you know, marijuana is persistent in the blood system for, for many days after use. I can understand they don't want you to be high at work, uh, but it seems unfair to say you're going to be fired because you got high on Friday night and you show up at work on Monday. Um, and also, you can't have a firearm even in a parking lot uh, uh, a state government parking lot. So they, I think they're, they're unnecessarily endangering people, uh, you know, if you're driving home. and Because and, this applies statewide. It's not just in Denver. You know, if, if you live in some rural county and you have to have train miles to work and you'd like to have a gun in your car, if the car breaks down, uh, the judicial department won't allow you to do that if you're an employee or a contractor. Uh, Eric, uh, acknowledging that sexual harassment can happen on social media felt very 2017 to me, but I guess maybe this is progress. What do you take away? I think Brian Boatwright, the relatively new chief justice, is a good man uh, in a tough position trying to do the right thing. It strikes me that uh, when he became chief justice a number of months ago, then instead of giving him a gavel, it's, they basically gave him a pooper scooper uh, and, uh, you know, and told him to, to clean up the mess. Uh, and there is a mess there. 
Uh, Colorado's judicial selection process and whole judicial process has been held in high regard over the years. But as I think with anything, with age comes a little bit of decay. And this has shown, it's putting a spotlight uh, on the judicial system, and it's shown some of that decay in some places where tweaks or more than tweaks are necessary. My fear is that the department is being slow to respond and not taking full advantage. I think the policy uh, enunciated that David described on sexual harassment is a step in the right direction. But the whole, re- uh, the whole lack of transparency in that department, I think as Steve Lepsock, former state legislator who was ultimately booted out of the legislature for sexual harassment writ large, um, he did it as a state legislator, so that was out in the spotlight, and we were able to discuss it. If it had been instead of Representative Steve Lepsock, Judge Steve Lepsock, it would have been very much behind curtains, behind veils, tried to keep a lid on it, and why should there be a different kind of transparency standard for one kind of public official who wears a robe versus another kind of public official? I think this is an opportunity for the Judicial Department to really to step it up on reform and transparency, and I think they're moving slow and doing the minimum instead of the maximum. John, I know you're an award-winning journalist, but good luck trying to follow that analysis and include Pooper Scooper. That's, that's, a, that's a high bar to hit, but I, I, I trust you can. Um, should we expect more changes out of the judicial branch here in Colorado? Well, the Chief Justice promised them at the start of the year when he talked to the state legislature and gave the state judiciary. He was humble. He was emotional at times, and he said things need to change. The concern is our reporting is showing that things aren't necessarily changing that much. To Eric's point, the transparency issue... The judicial department's always been held in a different level of standard, different standard when it comes to transparency, openness, records, and that remains in place. Furthermore, this investigation into the former chief justice, the third ongoing one at the judicial department right now, is being done by an outside attorney uh, counsel agency. The one that the department is overseeing was issued by this independent committee that met in private that didn't hold open meetings like in the Lubsock case when it came to the legislature investigating workplace harassment. And so they're investigating the same thing, a toxic workplace culture, but they did so behind closed doors. They crafted the parameters of that investigation behind closed doors. And the language is vague enough that we're not quite sure what will be under that umbrella of the investigation. How deep will they go into the role of the former Chief Justice? There are still major questions here, and our reporting has shown the transparency has not changed so far. Patty, more house cleaning to come? With that pooper scooper, when you have a contract as large as this for as vague and weird a reason, something is definitely stinky. So I think that investigation will really tell us a lot more about what's going on, because as everyone else has pointed out, The Supreme Court has not been transparent. All courts are not particularly transparent, but this one has been really bad. And the fact that we're talking about social media, yeah, it's very 2017, but social media has been a tool used both to accuse people and also to harass people. And it's very difficult to get to the bottom of what is reality. And if you're not transparent, it makes it even harder. And that's the problem we have here. The battle for Park Hill, the, the, the Park Hill Golf Course continues. In the latest news, Westside Investment Partners, the current owners of the property, spent $268,000 on a ballot initiative that would nullify the requirement for a citywide vote before lifting conservation restrictions that currently apply to the area. Um, Eric, this kind of sounds like when you don't like the rule, just change the rule. 
something's happening? Oh, it sounds like a lot of things, Dominic. <clears throat> that $268,000 is roughly, within a few thousand dollars, tantamount to what Westside Partners a few years ago put into an independent expenditure effort when it looked like Michael Hancock was in trouble in that 2019 election. And Westside Investment Partners was very upfront and, I mean, right there. Uh, Johnny on the spot with a six-digit contribution in a very similar ballpark to bail Michael Hancock out. And uh, I think the rest, as they say, uh, is history. There is so much wrong here. I think the purpose of the West Side ballot measure is really obfuscation. They're trying to confuse the whole issue since the Save Open Space Denver group that is led actually by Penn Tate, who's a, a, a frequent person around the show. I almost wish he was here today, uh, but we'll be talking about this throughout the fall. Uh, but they have their own, Save Open Space Denver has their own legitimate ballot issue. And so what Westside is trying to do is, is, is just under the label of obfuscation or confusion so that voters really don't know what they're voting on. I could talk for a while here. I won't. This is an opportunity. I wrote a column on this several months ago, three months ago. Readers can go find it if our viewers can go find it if they want to read it. This is 155 acres in a part of Denver that is underserved by parks, that has tons of asphalt. We're redoing I-70 right through there. Uh, this is only 10 acres short of the size of Washington Park. What an opportunity to create a major regional park in an underserved part of Denver, as opposed to one more mixed-use development that's going to be like every other mixed-use development. John, uh, Park Hill is certainly going to get a lot of attention. It doesn't sound like it's going to lighten up anytime soon. What do you make of the recent uh, news? Well, the politics are absolutely fascinating. I mean, when you have Mayor Hancock going against former Mayor Wellington Webb in a lawsuit, the latest development that my colleague Elena Alvarez reported last month was this lawsuit between Webb and Hancock. It's going to get interesting. Uh, one question guiding some of our reporting at Axios is what role will Mayor Hancock play here? This is his final term, his final years of his term. It seems like there's room for a grand bargain of sorts, or at least uh, a middle ground, similar to what Governor Hickenlooper did with conflicting ballot measures on oil and gas not too long ago. I do wonder if Hancock will step in, if there's room for him to be a leader. This could be a legacy issue. We've talked a lot. We've written a lot about the mayor's legacy moving forward. And to Eric's point, this is a, a big piece of land in an underserved community, a community that has been promised Many things in the past, only to see some of those promises not come to fruition as their neighborhood just continues to gentrify. There are so many issues, race, economics, and politics entangled here. Uh, it's going to be hard to figure out, but there's room for someone to step in before the voters. Patty, parks are a big deal in Denver. We talk about on our Time Machine shows, you know, all the way back to Robert Spear. So this is going to have a legacy. How do you think it's going to turn out? It's going to have people looking at their dictionaries to try to figure out what conservation easement means a lot come November. Because even though Park Hill Golf Course isn't mentioned in these two initiatives, that's what it's all about. But it looks like you're just voting on this obscure conservation easement issue. In the original Save Open Spaces Denver, they want you to vote... If there's going to be a conservation easement lifted, the whole city gets to vote on it. That's, that's what they're proposing. So Westside runs in to try to counter that, spends five times as much as the first group, to get something on that will kind of redefine that conservation easement. So even if the first ballot measure passes, 
they will lose because this one will override it. So we're going to see a lot more money come out. I don't see any Hancock compromise here because to save open spaces, people are very angry. They, they already feel the fix is in. That's what that lawsuit is about. So I think we will have a ballot measure and then we will have court cases. David, it's a story that offers everything, uh, court cases, local politics, ballot initiatives. Uh, it's everything that we could ever hope for here at the Colorado Inside Out table. Uh, what's your take? It's the same, as Eric said, the same Hancock West Side sleaze uh, we've seen in the last election when he, uh, to hang on, uh, made really vile and false accusations that, it, that his opponent was a racist. And here you have one ballot measure that says vote on conservation easement. A conservation easement is you give in exchange for a tax break or something, you give the, tell the government, I, I still own the land, but I won't develop it in a certain way. You know, I'll, I'll keep it as open space, for example. One, the real measure from Save Open Space Denver, Penfield Tate, Wellington Webb, says we're going to, if you want to change that, uh, develop a parkland, people got to vote. The other one says almost the same thing and is deliberately deceptive, but it says, and what a conservation is, it means blah, 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 but not the Park Hill Golf Course. So that's how they hope that if both pass, then they, in essence, nullify each other. And so you have attractive ballot language. People would vote, oh, yeah, I'm for conservation easements here. I'm for conservation easements here. They're for, but that's the lie they're telling people, that they get to vote for conservation easements twice, even though they're really voting against it. Well, we've been chatty this week, so let's get to our very favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. Well, if you've been downtown lately, and by lately I mean the last day, it's going wild because of the All-Star Game. And it's fun to see Denver coming back. And for those who are here in 98, it's really fun. But let's remember why we have the All-Star Game. It was over the voting scandal about Dominion voting systems that people were accusing election fraud, all the fights, the Georgia legislature changing its voting law, which then inspired Major League Baseball to pull the game from Atlanta and we wind up with it in Denver. It is crazy that now, since November, we've been hearing about the election fraud, still no real evidence of it. And the irony of the game now being played in Coors Field in the shadow of where Dominion Voting Systems office is at 18th and Lawrence is just amazing. David. Uh, Governor Polis signed a bill that will, will harm the environment to ban plastic bags. A study by the Danish Environmental Ministry, which is not exactly a right-wing organization, did a life cycle study comparing plastic bags to paper to cloth. And because cloth comes from cotton, which is very resource-intensive to grow, needs a ton of water, fertilizer, and all that, you'd have to use your cloth bag about 10,000 times before you stop causing more damage than you do by using a single-use plastic bag and then just throwing it away. And, you know, people talk about plastic in the ocean. Fortunately, the Denver Waste Disposal Companies don't haul our waste out to the Pacific Ocean and dump it there. They, they're safely put into landfills. Eric? It's a target-rich environment this week. Let me go with the whole Tay Anderson investigation, but one particular piece of it. We will see, as David mentioned earlier, what the investigation leads to, uh, and hopefully that will report will be coming out before too many more months pass. But both Tay personally, Tay Anderson personally, and a small handful, I hope it's only a small handful of his supporters, are really trolling and abusing some people on social media particularly women on social media, who say anything critical, anything 
about him living up to his word to step back from his school board duties in the interim. Uh, the way they are abusing some women in this regard on Twitter in a misogynistic, very sexist, trolling manner only makes you wonder if whether some of those original charges may have some legs. John. Well, if you listen to our readers at Axios, what they will tell you the disgraces are fireworks still going off in the city. <laughs> we get so many emails. We actually asked readers for some uh, fireworks protocol, some fireworks etiquette, and they all said it needs to end on the 4th. And it has not, at least in my neighborhood. <laughs> and we're getting plenty of emails still about it. I, I will echo that. And it's not just fireworks from your neighbors. The fact that they're getting, it feels like military grade. You know, it's going off in front of the house. You've got to be kidding me. This is not a couple, you know, M80s and, you know, like, car model from 30 years ago. But anyway, time to say something nice about somebody. Patty. I meant to say this about the Supreme Court, so I'm going to bring it up now. The best thing the Colorado Supreme Court does is go to La Fiesta Restaurant every month, which is amazing <laughs> when you look up and you see the Supreme Court justices there. They should be as transparent. They should hold a public meeting there. So good for them. Good for the local restaurants that have survived the last year, too. And I hope they all have a great weekend. David. Casa Bonita could be quite a place to have a special uh, uh, oral argument. Uh, the state of emergency has finally been ended. You know, our Constitution says that the state of Colorado is supposed to be a republic, uh, but we've been a monarch monarchy, the opposite of a republic, uh, for over a year. Uh, the whole issue of emergency powers and letting one man uh, have such unilateral, unchecked power really needs to be revised. Because even if you say Governor Polis did a good job with his limitless power, uh, the next guy might be much worse. Eric. David's point, you know, we didn't get there as a topic today. Hopefully we will in future week. That uh, The whole issue of the scope of emergency powers deserves some discussion. Let me quickly go a different direction. Ben Marcus, a reporter for Colorado Public Radio, has done some outstanding work of late uh, with a series of stories about nursing homes in Colorado. Not as bad as New York, but pretty bad in terms of COVID. Uh, testing regimens, a company that was overwhelmed, uh, that Colorado relied on that was overwhelmed by the whole testing process. I commend uh, readers, uh, viewers, to the Colorado Public Radio website and uh, check out Ben's stories. John. The redistricting process now moves to the public phase. Uh, starting today in Lamar, they're holding uh, public forums across the state. This kind of transparency we as reporters are happy to see, and it's good for the public. They get to go uh, voice their concerns. So uh, I recommend folks go check out that list, find a meeting near you, and, and participate. And I want to say something nice about two very special fans of the show, my, and I've mentioned them before, uh, my Aunt Lena and Uncle Richard Rotola. It is my Uncle Richard Rotola's birthday tomorrow, so from, from favorite nephew to favorite uncle, don't worry, Joseph and Uncle Albert don't watch the show. Uh, happy birthday, <laughs> Uncle Richard. So hope you have a fantastic one. And for everybody out there who has been watching PBS 12 and supporting our outgoing uh, president and general manager, Kim Johnson, and all your kind words, thank you so much for that. She is definitely appreciative of all of those. For everybody here at PBS 12 and Colorado Inside Out, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night.